0: You're listening to the St. John's Dumb Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50 neither of them had the money to pay him back so he forgave the debts of both now which of them will love him more simon replied i suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven you have judged correctly jesus said then he turned toward the woman and said to simon do you see this woman i came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven and her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace.
1: How do you know if someone loves you? Well, there's the surefire flower method. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. That's guaranteed to give you a definite answer, but it might not be an answer that you're totally convinced about. Now, usually we sort of look at the way people behave towards us, Uh, maybe the smile that they give us, the lingering look, the words that they speak, or the actions that they undertake towards us. But even that uh, is not guaranteed, is it? You might have come across the book, uh, The Five Love Languages, Uh, which speaks about different ways that people express love to others and the way that we like to receive love from others. Uh, Words of affirmation, acts of service, giving and receiving gifts, spending quality time and physical touch. And each one of us tends to have a dominant love language, a way that we typically show love to others, and also a way that we like to receive love from others. And that can lead to miscommunication, like you're speaking totally different languages from other people. You don't love me. You never, ever give me flowers. What do you mean I don't love you? Didn't I just wash your car and vacuum it out for you? Well, in today's Bible passage uh, from Luke 7, there can be no mistaking the fact that This woman in the passage loves Jesus. She expresses it very clearly in her actions. So I'd love you to uh, grab a Bible or a Bible app uh, as we look at this last section of Luke chapter 7 uh, in this series, Faith in Action. The scene that we're looking at here is a dinner party. Uh, Though dinner parties in those days were a little bit different to today, they weren't strictly private affairs with the doors closed and only the invited guests being there. Uh, There were invited guests, and Jesus in the story is one of those. But other people who weren't the main guests could just come along and stand around and listen in on the conversation, which explains why the woman in the story is there at the party. It might be better for us to sort of think about a barbecue that's happening on the nature strip outside your house where other people can just lob along and join in and be part of the conversation. That might be a better fit culturally for what's going on here. And in this story, there are three characters. There's Jesus. There's this Pharisee named Simon. Pharisees were kind of strict religious types Uh, very keen on keeping God's rules. If you ask them, what's the biggest problem with society at the moment, they would say, people don't keep God's rules. That's the problem. That's why this whole society is going to the dogs. Uh, And so they could be pretty judgmental of people that they thought were rule breakers or not doing things the way that God wanted them to do it. And then there's this woman in the story. She's never named We don't know her name. Uh, She never even speaks in this passage. And yet her actions speak louder than words. We're told that this woman has lived a sinful life. Uh, It's possible that she was a prostitute, um, but that's not guaranteed. Uh, Whatever she has done or she is doing People know that she's doing the wrong thing and there's a social stigma attached to her. You can just imagine people muttering as she enters the party. What's she doing here? And Jesus is lying at the table. In in those days at a feast like this, you didn't sit at a table. You lay with your head towards the table and your feet away from the table. So as Jesus is lying there, the woman approaches him and as she does so, she starts to weep and the tears flow and they flow and they flow and she just can't stop crying. We're not told exactly what's prompted her tears but it seems that she has heard Jesus' teaching before and she's come to understand from what Jesus has taught something about who God is. And the fact that God is a God of forgiveness, and that God is willing to forgive her. Maybe she's even heard Jesus tell a story about a son who's nicked off with his dad's cash, blown it all, wasted it, and when he returns home filthy and ashamed, with his head hung low... His father comes running out and hugs him and welcomes him and says, my child, you're welcome home, and brings him back into the house. She's come to understand that God is offering forgiveness to her. uh, And Jesus, uh, the love for Jesus just, just overflows in the tears that flow and flow and flow. But the trouble is she's crying so much that, Uh, Jesus' feet are getting really wet. So she thinks, oh, well, what do I do do next? And so she lets her hair down and she starts drying Jesus' feet with her hair. Uh, Now, in that culture, this is an absolute no-no. Women kept their hair up when when they were in public and to let your hair down was was almost a, a sexual act. And so you can again imagine the people at this dinner party going, oh, no, what's she doing now? This is, this is embarrassing. This is, this is shameful. And then she takes an alabaster jar of per- perfume. Uh, she's brought it with her especially and she pours the perfume all over Jesus' feet. Now the description of, of the jar as an alabaster jar, the description of the perfume shows that this is really expensive stuff. This is probably her most expensive possession. In uh, a time where there were no bank accounts, this this is kind of probably all of the capital that she has saved, this is her entire savings. And she just pours it out as an expression of love for Jesus, pouring it all over his feet because she loves him so much. It's an extravagant and a shameless display of love. And Simon, the Pharisee, is really not impressed. This this woman is wrecking his dinner party. She's spoiling it all. And he's not just unimpressed with the woman, he's also unimpressed with Jesus as well. Uh, Have a look particularly at the words we have in verse 38. Uh, Sorry, verse 39. He said to himself... Now, take special note of that. Uh, He doesn't speak this out loud. He just thinks it in his head, uh, this next line. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Simon's logic goes a little bit like this. If Jesus knew who this woman was. If he knew how sinful she was, he would reject her. He'd be disgusted by her. He wouldn't want anything to do with her. He'd push her away and tell her to get lost. But Jesus doesn't do that. And so Simon's logic says, therefore, he can't know how bad she is. And so Jesus can't be a prophet, someone who knows these things because otherwise he would have rejected her. Now, maybe you apply a similar logic to Simon to your own relationship with God. Maybe you think along these lines. If God really knew what I was like, if God knew the things that I had done, the things that I'd said, the things that I had thought then he would be disgusted by me, he'd be embarrassed by me, and he'd reject me. If God knew the sort of thoughts that pass through my mind, the the anger, the, the lust, the bitterness, the pride, he'd want to have nothing to do with me at all. If he knew the real me, if he knew the kind of person that I am, that I'm a sinner, then God wouldn't want me at all. He wouldn't want anything to do with me. But here's the stunning truth that that flips that logic on its head. God knows you. God knows you intimately and deeply. God knows every single thing about you, the thoughts that you think, the words that you've spoken, the actions you've taken, the relationships you've mucked up, every single thing in your history and in your present, God knows you, And yet God loves you, and God forgives and welcomes you. God knows us more deeply and more intimately than any other person could possibly know us. And yet God wants to be in a relationship with us. God loves us. Isn't that incredible? To be known so deeply... And yet loved so thoroughly by God. You see Simon has got it all wrong. Jesus knows exactly who is touching him. He knows all about this woman. He's not disgusted by her. He's not embarrassed by her. He loves her and he welcomes her. Jesus' whole mission was to seek out and to save people like this woman, to seek and save those who were lost and rejected by society, those who had stuffed up and done the wrong thing, people like you and me, to welcome and forgive and to bring them back into relationship with God. And we see the reality of that expressed in the very next words of our passage in verse 41. Jesus answered him. (laughs) Remember, Simon hasn't said anything out loud. He's only thought this stuff in his head, and yet Jesus answers him. Jesus really is a prophet. He really knows what's going on, not only what this woman is like and what she's done. He even knows the thoughts going through Simon's head because he answers him. And he answers him, as Jesus often does, by telling a story. It's a story about two people who owe money to a loan shark. Uh, One of them owes 500 denarii, the other 50 denarii. A denarii was like a day's wages for a labourer. So the first person, they owe about, you know, a year and a half's wages. Uh, The other person, about two months' worth of wages. And neither of them can pay. But rather than deciding to smash their kneecaps, in very unloan shark style, the moneylender says, do you know what? Forget about it. Let's just wipe the slate clean. You don't owe me anything. Just forget about all that money. And Jesus says, which of those two people is going to love the loan shark more? Now you can tell here that, that Simon knows that he's been outmaneuvered by Jesus because his answer's a little bit reluctant. He says, I suppose... The one who had the bigger debt forgiven yeah that's right Jesus says and this woman here is like that one who had the big debt forgiven no wonder she loves me so much because she knows how deeply she's been forgiven and Jesus goes on to say to Simon why don't we compare the way that you've related to me today and the way that she has when I came to your house you didn't give me any water to wash my feet with but she's washed my feet with her tears and she's dried my feet with her hair. You didn't kiss me as a, in a greeting when I came to your house and yet she hasn't stopped kissing my feet over and over again. You didn't pour oil on my head to honour me and yet she's poured her most expensive possession, this perfume, all over my feet as a way of showing love and honour to me. All of these actions by the woman are a demonstration of her love in response to the forgiveness that she knows she has received. Now, can we be quite clear about this? Jesus isn't saying that she receives forgiveness because of these actions, that somehow because she's done all these things that she's going to receive God's forgiveness, she somehow earned it or deserved it. No, he's saying... Because she's been forgiven, her love is overflowing in these actions. It's a response to the free gift of God in offering her forgiveness that she does this. And Jesus confirms this by saying to her, your sins are forgiven. He wants her to know in unmistakable terms that she is forgiven He wants everyone in the room to hear the fact that she is forgiven and stop being so judgmental towards her. And when he does this, the muttering starts again. Can Jesus do this? It's only God who can forgive sins. People say, who is this guy who even forgives sins, right? Forgiving sins is the prerogative of God. All sin ultimately is against God. Even when we sin against other people, do the wrong thing against other people, um, we're sinning against them, but we're also sinning against God because God's the one who has made those beautiful people in his image. And so he's wronged by the harm that we do to others as well as other people. It's a stunning statement here about Jesus' identity, that he has the authority of God to forgive sins, that he is none other than God himself who offers forgiveness and he concludes by saying to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace there's two crucial things that i want us to to take home from this passage the first one i've spoken about a bit already that in jesus you are fully known by god fully loved by god and fully forgiven forgiven by God. We shouldn't underestimate what an amazing truth this is for us to take hold of. In our social media saturated world, um, we present images of ourselves on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, We present ourselves in a certain way. And we can often make ourselves appear successful and popular and happy and so much of our lives are actually hidden away beneath the surface. In that same world which relies on people to like us or follow us, uh, we also often live in fear of being exposed. We fear that people might find out what we're really like and what's really going on in our lives behind what we're displaying publicly. And in moments of despair, we can even say to ourselves, does anyone really know me? And if they did, could they love me? The truth of this passage is, yes, in Jesus, you are intimately and deeply known. From the depths of your desires and dreams into the shadows of your secrets and sins, to the core of your character, with all of your person laid bare and exposed, God sees you, God knows you, and God says, I love you and I forgive you. That is such an important truth to take hold of. And I hope that by knowing it, it will actually kindle in us love for this God who does this and who welcomes us for who we are and whatever we've done. That for us too, the tears would flow and the joy would come from this wonderful truth. And the second point of application flows from that. If it's true that... Jesus knows us this deeply and loves and forgives us. Is our love for Jesus in response clear for people to see? Jesus says in this passage, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. When people look at your life, would they know how much you love Jesus? Because of your actions. When Jesus' name is mentioned, does love well up in your heart? When the truths about Jesus, about his life and his death and his resurrection are recounted, do you want to weep with joy? Do the actions of your life and the way that you undertake your life uh, reflect the love that you have for Jesus? Do you make costly sacrifices like this woman does, because you love Jesus so much that you're willing to give him everything that you have? Now, these are pretty challenging questions. I recognise that. And one of the troubles is that if we've been followers of Jesus for a long period of time, then sometimes we can lose that first love that we had for Jesus. We can grow dull To the brilliance of the forgiveness that we receive from Jesus and we can become even a little bit complacent and take for granted uh, the wonderful forgiveness that we have received. I think it's especially hard at the moment during this season of uh, coronavirus with the restrictions um, sometimes to, to have the same emotions towards God because our emotions are dulled, we're doing it tough, it's hard. We're not gathering with other people uh, to worship in the same way. We don't uh, sing together, which is often a very emotional response where those feelings of love and joy can can well up in the moment. So it it can be hard emotionally, I think, to connect with God at the moment. But of course, our emotions are not the the be-all and end-all. They're important, but they're not the be-all and end-all of that relationship with God. And so it's important that we do remind ourselves of the things that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, to recount them and to speak them out loud. Um, I've been working through the Psalms uh, slowly this year, uh, writing things down verse by verse uh, to pray them in. Um, And I'm up to Psalm 103 at the moment, and I'm trying to do this very thing with Psalm 103 Uh, Psalm 103 starts with these words. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it goes on to list the benefits that God has given us, starting with these words. Who forgives all your sins. We need to name before God the benefits that He gives us, the gifts that He gives us, the love that He shows us as a way of sort of rekindling in our hearts uh, the love that we have for Jesus. And we need to keep reminding each other uh, as followers of Jesus of these wonderful truths. Uh, However, we're gathering uh, amidst our limitations to actually share these truths with each other uh, in our life groups to actually speak about them together and pray about them together. Um, Or just via phone calls, or when we're able to catch up with other people in whatever forum that is, to actually speak about the truths of what God has done for us, to kindle that love uh, and that joy that we have. If you're feeling cold or numb to what Jesus has done for you, I I hope that the, the woman in this passage And her wonderful actions would be a reminder to you that God has shown this same love and care to you. And to use that example as a way of rekindling that love for Jesus and to encourage others uh, to show the love for Jesus in response to what he's done for us in our actions, in our words, and in the whole of our lives. So let me pray for us. God, we thank you for the example of this unnamed woman, for her actions which speak louder than words. And we thank you that you have shown this same love and forgiveness to us, that you know us intimately and you welcome us into relationship with yourself. Please kindle in our hearts a love for you in response to what you've done. And please may it flow out in our actions that other people may see our deep love for you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.